Welcome to the last Backlash podcast for March. Hard to believe it's already over. We're already, you know, I'm over a week and a half removed from show season, and time's just flying by. You know, next thing you know, it's going to be April. As we teased before in the last episode, we got something that should be, it should help make up for a couple of lackluster performances that we've had. We'd like to try to hold this podcast to a little higher standard, and it maybe hasn't been as great lately. I hope that you're still managing to you know, gain a couple of nuggets here and there to help catch more fish for the 2022 season. Actually, we're going to, Brad, it's a little early for this one because you're going to be off on a secret mission. And so you weren't available in the next five days to record. So we're 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 ahead of the game on this one. It's actually early. Well, it doesn't happen very often, Jeff. It used to every once in a while, but I don't know. Maybe it maybe it'll start happening again, right? Maybe we'll get a little bit uh, ahead of the game. Only kind of though. I mean, you and I, like I said, we've kicked around this idea of what we're going to do in April, and I don't think that's going to help us get ahead of the game. Uh, not necessarily, but it might get ahead for the uh, for the listener. How's that sound? Sure. Hopefully they should be able to get a little bit of information that will help them catch more fish. It's certainly not going to be less of a burden on my mine or your time. That's for sure, Jeff, but I think it's all well worth it. You got it. So, Brad, I know you're, I know you're going to go on a secret mission. We can't talk too much about it, but I'm assuming it's got something to do with fishing and filming, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mayhem's 10,000 cast. It was a fun little uh, five-episode uh, uh, work that we did this past season. We're going to start filming for the new season. I'm excited about doing it. Learned a ton last year. Had a lot of audio issues last year, but I think we've got a lot of that corrected now. Excited to jump right back in and start it all over again. For sure. We're all looking forward to it. We've got a long way to go before we get to see any of it, but it should be fun anyways. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's part of the gig, right? You know, you you put in the time early. Hopefully we get to see the rewards after the fact. I didn't mention at the beginning of this episode, our guest this week is going to be Greg Schrader, Schrader's Guiding Service, and he's primarily out of Minnesota. He's actually on vacation in Florida right now. Uh, He's definitely doing us a favor by coming on. Not that we were short on guests, it's just that Greg's been on your radar for quite some time, so... We made it happen, and he was gracious enough to come on, so that's good. We're going to talk a little bit about pressured water, go into a little bit about guiding stuff as far as like getting into it, and then we're also going to talk about spring tune-up, what you can do to you know, get ready for the season because, I mean, let's be real, it's, it's here for a lot of people, and it will be here for many more very soon. Yeah, it's right around the corner, Jeff, that's for sure, and I, it's amazing how fast time goes. You know, I feel like we were just getting ready to go to Chicago, and bang, three months have just blown right by. So it's kind of a good feeling. We're coming in the spring. Um, we're starting to see some of that thaw. And it's an exciting time of the year, that's for sure. Definitely. And speaking of getting ready for a new season, if you're looking for gear for a new season, please check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com or you can check out everything that Muskie Mayhem has to offer at MuskieMayhemTackle.com. Those would be the two places that you should check out if you're looking for gear for the 2022 muskie fishing season. It's here. Many people are gearing up already. And so there's your opportunity. If you need some gear, check out those two websites. Well, with that stuff out of the way, enough uh, chit-chat out of Brad and I. We'll make it short and sweet this week. You heard enough of us last week. Let's go get Greg on the phone. All right. Our guest today is Greg Schrader with Schrader's Guiding Service. 
Greg, thanks for taking some time out of your schedule. I know that you're not in Minnesota right now, which is where you usually are fishing. You're in probably much warmer climate. So thanks again for taking time out of your schedule and talking to us tonight. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on tonight. I'm excited about it. So Greg, as per usual, first time on the podcast, we usually kind of get the person we're talking to to break down a little bit about, you know, what got him into musky fishing in your particular instance. I know you do a lot of multi-species fishing. So why don't you kind of talk a little bit about that and then talk a little bit about, you know, what's all going on with your guide service so people get an idea of who we're talking to tonight. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, yeah, my name is Greg Schrader, and I uh, grew up here in the, the West Metro area. Uh, very blessed to have a lot of good fishing waters. My dad was a big fisherman, so as a very young kid, uh, we'd go down and fish on Lake Minnetonka, uh, Lake Waconia, um, a lot of the other area lakes, and I just got a love from fishing from him, and a lot of my friends are fishermen, and we even had a mud river called the Crow River that runs by uh, our house, and after my work was done and stuff, I'd go down and fish just for bullheads and carp just to bend the rod. So, yeah, I, I had a love of fishing from an early time in my life. Um, and it just kind of grew. My dad liked to fish for small fish, and I got the bug, and I just kind of grew from there with it and started chasing bigger and bigger fish. And then the muskies were introduced in our area here, and I got the fever really bad and started fishing for food. And um, I also worked as a dock boy on, on Lake Laconia when I was 16. And we had a family from Tennessee and folks for almost three days in a row, never caught a fish. And back in that time, we had the Polaroid pictures up on the court board in the marina. I had a bunch of pictures of bass and pike up there. And they actually hired me on their last day. And um, I took them out for a few hours, got them a whole bunch of bass in Northern. And word kind of spread from there through town that I did that. So other people started calling. And I probably did six or eight trips the first summer. And then it just kind of slowly kept growing, and then it just went crazy. I think last summer we ran 322 trips. Got four four guys that work for me um, a lot right now. So been very blessed to kind of. I'll say I fell into it. I worked really hard at it. Never dreamed that it would go to the levels that it has. Well, that's not only just the summer fishing either, is it, Greg? I know that you do some ice stuff too as well. Yeah, we do fully guided ice fishing trips. Um, we're probably going to get into some of the rental stuff too, but to this point, um, we run a lot of clam fish houses. Guys come out, we do fully guided, just like we do in the summer. Um, the guide stays with the clients. We provide all the gear. You know, some people want to kind of just be left alone a little bit, do a little coaching, take fish off, whatever, whatever makes the client happy. Um, and then we do, like you mentioned earlier, we do all species, so... Yeah, just kind of cater to what the clients want and, you know, help as much or as little as they prefer. I think using the, the portables and stuff gives us a lot of advantages where we can keep moving as the fish do. We don't set up in one area and just pound it and pound it and pound it. We are continually scouting. Just kind of, I think it really helps with our success rate. We catch a lot of fish doing it that way. Being that you're in the metro area, is it common that you're doing a lot of business type trips and things like that, Greg, or is, what's, what's your clientele base generally? You know, they were really blessed too. We've got a lot of travel into the cities and a lot of the, the businessmen do hire us. They're up here for a few days. They have a day off, you know, they want to go fishing in Minnesota. So the proximity to the cities is really, you know, really beneficial for us. Plus it's, you know, there's a lot of local people here and, you know, they have family or friends coming into town, um, want to make sure they catch fish, so they come out with us. And 
Um, just really blessed. It's a great mix. We do a lot of corporate events, so companies will come in and hire us. Um, I've got one book for this June. I think it's 36 boats. So we run three people per boat. Now, we basically cover everything, make it real easy for the, for the corporations. They just show up with their people. Um, we have boat assignments, everything all prearranged. They jump in the boats. We go out fishing for three or four hours. And then we like to do a lot of tournament-style stuff, too. So, you know, we'll, we'll have in the boat. We just do measure and release. We just do by inches. So, you know, pretty much all the fish are released. One guy's in the boat. He catches 10, 10-inch bass. He's got 100 inches for the day. And then uh, we make up a board for the company, just, you know, kind of custom everything to their company. And so at the end of the day, we'll meet back and, and add up all the inches and stuff and fill in the board just like any other tournament. And uh, usually they'll do like, well, we have some guys that do trophies, uh, traveling trophies every year. We got guys that'll do like gift certificates or shields or wherever. You know, first place might be $100 gift card, 75 for second, 50 for third, whatever the company wants to do. We just work with them on it pretty much take all the hassles out of the way. They just basically have to show up and jump in a boat. You know, so Greg, obviously Brad had mentioned there about your close proximity there to the, uh, the, to the cities. Obviously a lot of the waters that you fish are very pressured. Let's kind of dive into that a little bit. I mean, let's kind of talk about techniques or, or things like that, that you do or just any tips and tricks you can offer up to uh, avoid pressure pressure has been something that has been talked about and talked about, especially in the last couple of years because of, you know, COVID seems like it's put more people on the water. So I'm thinking that, especially in your area, pressure is probably at an all time high. It really is. You know, it's a blessing and a curse. You want people out there, you want the industry to grow, but it does change things on the water a lot. You know, being versatile is huge, you know, especially like in the musky fishing you see spots on the lake that are just, you know, like your primary spots. They look great on the graph. They look great on the maps. Everybody's hitting them. And literally, I can sit back and watch. And there's there's spots. A boat will fish it, move off. The next boat comes around the corner, flies right in, fishes it, moves off. Next boat comes around the corner. And it's just, it's like areas that used to be fantastic, but I don't even fish it anymore. Or if I do, you got to be creative. Like some of those spots, I'll fish at night. I'll fish first thing in the morning before anybody else pressures them. Um, you know, there's, there's little things that really make a big difference when you're fishing pressured waters. I still like to throw a lot of bucktails, fish fast, fish aggressive kind of trigger strikes, but you also have to be versatile in, in that we'll be, we'll be trying different things. You know, that's a blessing with clients. I can usually throw a couple different offerings out there. And, um, you know, I might have a couple guys burning bucktails and somebody throwing in the top water and then, just sit back and let the fish tell you what, what they want that day or what's working that day. Try to get that explosive, you know, aggressive fish to, to hit, you know, trigger those fast bites, but not be afraid if that's not working. Slow down, throw the big plastics, move it slow, slide out deep. You know, in the metro here, we've got all the, the zebra mussels, like a lot of areas, and those weeds are growing super deep now. You know, I found just slow rolling the cow curls out in the really deep water has really worked good. You know, we're just doing things a little different than we used to. And again, being on the water every day really helps because we can kind of learn these little tricks and patterns and, you know, just try things. And if they work great, put them in your memory bank. If they don't, erase them and don't do it again. And, you know, or maybe try it, like I said, after dark, if you want to stay out that late. And dealing with the traffic and the pressure, it's just, you know, it's a whole new ball game, but it's actually kind of fun and exciting to, to do things a little different. Another tactic that we found that works really good is fishing inside out. All the boats are out, you know, off the weed line, throwing up on top. 
And of course that works a lot of the time, but when they're getting really pressured, we may go up on top to off and bring it back up and just a little different, a little something else that nobody's doing. And, you know, it may just pay off in one or two bites a day that, uh, you know, makes or breaks the trip. You know? So there's a lot of little things like that that work, you know, size up your bait sometimes. That's not working. Throw something really small. I've caught so many fish in like the baby tail and some of the smaller buck tails, you know, thrown in behind guys that are just throwing the giant baits all day long. And, you know, just be versatile and don't be afraid to try new things and different things. And, you know, even color sometimes can make a difference. If everybody's out there throwing black and nickel, you go in there and throw a hot color, something different that they see uh, very little of. And, you know, that might mean putting a fish in the bag. One other thing that I was thinking there, too, is that, you know, and I've talked about this a couple times um, on a few different podcasts, but, you know, having those other guys working for you, too, Greg, I'm assuming the networking that you guys share, it has to be a tremendous help. It really is. And, you know, like I'm in a talk, it's 14,000 acres. Every lake's different. Every, you know, there's different clarities. There's, you know, different structure styles and stuff. And yeah, we, we all talk and we all share, you know, exactly what we're seeing. So, you know, if the stained water is gone, that's where I'm going to start my next trip the next day. You know, if one of my, if Josh or, or Tim or one of my other guys is up in the, in the clear water and they bag a couple of fish, it's like, you know, you, you help each other out, you know, it's, again, it's kind of a double-edged sword because you don't want to give away all your secrets that you've worked hard to figure out. But boy, when you're not on them and your buddy is, return that favor, everybody's smiling. You have clients that are happy. And, Really, that's what it's all about in the guiding game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a, a good network, I can't reiterate that enough. I mean, it's just a huge, huge benefit and a tool that will always help you kind of get to the next level. And and what I mean by that is, you know, real-time information. Because if it isn't real-time, you know, you're just chasing a bite at that point. So one of the things yeah. that I would really want to ask about, too, though, you know, we're talking pressured fishery. but I think your waters are maybe even a little bit more than just a pressured fishery. And what I mean by that is the boating traffic that you put up with. How are you uh, managing to, to work on that stuff? <laughs> uh, well, uh, you learn to be very patient at times. You know, the boat traffic, there's, there's a couple ways to look at it. I really work hard at trying to find areas out of the main thoroughfares um, that are still holding a lot of fish. Um, that's been very beneficial. You know, you're out there on a weekend or something and the, the big boats start cruising or the, you know, the wake, wake surfing boats are out there and stuff. And it, it gets rough. There may not be any wind and you're dealing with three, four foot waves sometimes. The thing is, they just got to be persistent. And if you work hard at maybe finding the areas off the beaten path, you know, the boats kind of, they go from lake to lake. They go from, you know, restaurant to restaurant, whatever it may be. And there's these little areas off to the sides that aren't getting hammered quite as bad. And that can make the difference. There are days where, you know, you just got to deal with the boat traffic and the lakes and everything else. And the fish get used to them. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've caught fish right off the back of somebody else's boat. They come flying past you. And it almost like it stirs things up and the fish actually get a little more aggressive. Like I've seen that happen. A big thing in lakes like this, you need to be respectful. You need to be tolerant. And you got to understand that a lot of the people aren't meaning to get in your way. They're not meaning to screw up your fishing day. They're not meaning to swamp their boat if they're in a small boat. They just don't know any better. They don't know proper boating etiquette. They don't realize the wake they're throwing behind them sometimes. 
you know, it's, I would say it's fairly rare that I see a guy that's intentionally being difficult. It's, it's more, you know, they're just cruising from point A to point B and, oh, sorry, you're kind of in my way. And it's kind of just cruise on by and it used to bother me so bad. And I, I you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an intense guy and I want my clients happy and, and, uh, I'm very detail oriented and it just, it was driving me crazy, but I just kind of step back and maybe as I get a little older and a little more mature, just realize you can still catch fish and these things are going to happen and they're out of your control. So deal with them. And what, what are you going to do to make it work? And, uh, that's really helped me a lot because it'd be easy for me to get upset when we know there's big fish here and it's almost impossible to throw it to them, but that's just the nature of the beast. And if you have to move, move and, you know, try to have as many good spots as you can and find as many fish as you can and just, you know, bounce from one to the next until it happens. That's kind of how we deal with it. I think we all get hung up on different scenarios that we see on the water. You, you said one of them, a wake boat, you know, and I, there's more and more wake boats every year. It's amazing to me. The dollar amount that they're spending on some of those wake boats kind of blows my mind. I guess can't say a whole lot when the fishing boats aren't going down that same direction. But, you know, ultimately, you're exactly right. You just need to maintain and you need to do your thing and kind of, uh, I don't know, put the blinders on, if you will. Um, I don't think it really truly affects the fishing. It can affect the fishing if you allow it to affect yourself. And I think that's the bottom line that you're trying to say. Exactly. Yeah, you go out there. Like for me personally, I have I have an agenda. Basically, I mean, based on like you said, the networking, the information I'm receiving, the, the, you know, what I'm seeing on the water. I go into every guide trip with an idea of what we're going to do for that day to be successful. But again, you have to be fluid. You've got to you got to adapt to the situation, and yeah, and that that applies to all fishing, including the boat trip. It's just not working where you're at for whatever reason. You know, be ready to go to plan B and plan C and, you know, experiment. I mean, it's, I always say just let the fish tell you what they want. And I think I've gotten to be a lot more successful once I kind of got away from my pig headedness and this is what I have to do. Like, hmm, okay, I'm seeing this. Or what traffic's doing that? And, you know, just adapt and, and make it the best day you can make it every time you're on the water. Makes perfect sense to me, Greg. And, and you've, uh, you've accomplished that task for a long time. And I know you, you're very well respected in that whole realm. So congrats to I you. Appreciate and I appreciate that. That means a lot, especially coming from you guys. So, uh, we try hard. It's <laughs> nobody's perfect, but yeah, just treat people like you want to be, uh, you know, treated in return. And, you know, I'm not perfect and I don't always do it as, as well as I should, but I should try to. Well, that's half the battle. That's for sure. So I guess to lead into the next question, what I would like to ask you, and, and this is something that I guess I've had a few people at the shows ask me, I've, I've got a couple younger people that want to start getting into the guiding world. What would your advice be about how to get into the guiding world if that's really, truly what they want to do? I mean, you, it sounds like you started at a really early age, maybe kind of got pushed into it just based off of your first job that you were talking about being a doc boy. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I've been blessed, and I, I can't believe it's uh, been 38 years of guiding now, and, and we're swamped every year. But, yeah, for someone new getting into it, and I, I actually get asked that quite a bit, a couple things to think about. One, it's not as glorious as everybody thinks it is. Um, I have clients in my boat weekly, oh, my son wants to get into it. You know, it, it can be such a blessing, no doubt about it. But you also have to remember, I don't catch that many fish personally anymore. 
I net a ton of fish. It's an odd day when I actually get the real one in. So if your true love is the fish, it may not be the best job to have because, you know, I, I, I love watching other people catch fish and, and I love seeing people catch their first or their biggest or the most or whatever it may be. And just the thrills on their faces and especially kids. I love that or, you know, whatever it may be. But if you want to get into guiding and it's something you really want to do, you know, hiring a guide and, and talking to them about, you know, like, you know, what it takes to be a good guide, you know, the insurance that's involved, the attitude, you know, how you present yourself to people. Um, being a good fisherman doesn't make a good guide, in my opinion. You have to be a people person, um, which you can work on if that's not natural to you. Um, I used to be super shy, and I'm the very opposite of that now. You have to understand that, you know, there's a lot of things that go into guiding. It's just not going fishing. It's uh, having the right equipment. It's having the right mindset. It's, you know, crazy things like, you know, people are hiring you just to learn your spot. You know, that's all part of the game. And it can be so frustrating, but it can be so rewarding, you know, and just the networking and, the, you know, dealing with the good and the bad that comes with it. It's all there. It's not just going out when the weather is not good and you really don't want to be out there, but, uh, or the exhaustion of fishing every day. You know, like, again, I'm not complaining. I love it. And I am truly blessed. But there are days of dealing with people that aren't that fun to be in the boat with. I mean, I run into that occasionally. Uh, it's, it's not often, but there are days where you're just like not clicking with the person in your boat and it's your job to make them go home happy. You know, I always felt, I always say I sell happiness and I want my clients to leave happy. I want to get a nice five-star review from them. You know, you do everything you can to, to make them happy as, you know, when they leave your boat and, and want to call again. And, and I think, that's a big part of being a successful guide is repeat clientele. And, um, you know, you, you do, you, you got to figure out how to put fish in a boat when you're dealing with people that don't know how to fish. I mean, I have people with the rod upside down, you know, the real upside down, whatever, and reel the wrong way. You know, you see it all as a guide and that's all just part of it. So anybody new wanting to get into it, you have to think of all these things. Yeah, it's great to get paid to be on the lake. It's a beautiful office to have. It's like any job where there's good and there's bad and, and the good far outweigh the bad, but you got to be the kind of person that can handle things that aren't perfect and, you know, and still send them home happy, you know, so um, a lot of the little things to think about. I won't argue any of those points. That's for sure. You know, and I think uh, a lot of times the misconception is, oh, you, you live the life, you get to fish every day. Uh, there is some truth to that, but... On the backside, when you have a 100-degree temperature and you, you're feeling really bad and you're out there on the water and 38 degrees or, you know, even worse than that, those are the days that you're like, wow, what am I doing to myself? But I can <laughs> honestly tell you, every day, no matter how bad the trip is, as that sun starts to set, you know, you see the beauty of everything. And I've told myself so many times, I wouldn't want to do anything else. I love this. And... And that's the bottom line. You have to love it, and you have to love to help people catch fish. And I think you spoke of all of that. Yeah, amen. You're exactly right on all that, you know. And I just have to giggle a little bit. My wife just walked past me. My wife loves the fish. Don't ask how many times she gets in my boat anymore because it, it's a sore subject because she used to fish with me all the time. And now that we're so busy, we still make family time. We set days aside. 
yeah, she doesn't get the fish as much as she'd like to. I can tell you that for sure too. So, you know, you got to think of your family and stuff too. I'm gone a lot. I mean, we try to balance work and play, but you know, it's like any other demanding job when, when clients call and want to go, you know, they may be in town for two days and you make it work. And, you know, again, I'm not complaining. I love what I do. It's just like any other job. You got to balance everything. Yeah. There's no question about that. I know, uh, Carrie and I, I think it was like three years ago we were talking and I think we had figured it out that it had been 12 years since we had fished muskies together, um, three wow. years ago and we finally made it happen. And, and all of that is because of guiding, you know, I mean, we, we'd fished canfish and other species, but as far as musky fishing together, it had been like 12 year gap that we didn't fish together. Pretty wild to think about. Yeah. That's crazy. Part of the gig. It totally is. Yeah. You know, Brad, I was talking to somebody at the Wisconsin Expo this past weekend and he was saying something about how, and he was almost like jealous of the fact that like, you know, I've, I started as an electrician and then I was able to build this other business, but I told him, you know, like you said, you don't see all the hard work that goes in behind the scenes. It looks glamorous up front, but it's an insane amount of work. And I'm sure both of you two know all about that. That's another thing I was thinking about as you two were talking there. Anybody getting into the business too, I recommend, I personally work for the postal service, you know, so I basically work two full-time jobs. People that know me well call me a, a workaholic for sure. But man, it's really nice to have a job where, you know, if you have stable income in one place, you know, guiding, you know, COVID hit us and, you know, that affected everybody a little differently. And a lot of people, you know, in the guiding business, their stuff slowed way down. And, you know, others, like, it really picked up too. So it, it was kind of odd. But people that think they're just going to fish for a living, it's tough because you got a lot of downtime. You know, I'm, I'm lucky we fish everything. So as soon as the ice goes off, we're chasing copies. In May, we're chasing walleyes. June, July, August, we got great bass in northern fishing. End of August, September, October, even into November, we got you know, excellent world-class muskie fishing. So we can kind of work through it all. But a typical day, you talk, Jeff talking about how hard the behind-the-scenes stuff is. A typical day for me right now, you know, I'm at work at 7.30. I punch out at 4 o'clock. I'm on the water at five o'clock and I'm fishing by five o'clock with my clients. So literally I, I punch off the clock, run through the shower, have my clothes laid out. My wife hands me a sandwich as I'm running out the door. I wolf it down on the way to the lake, guide for four hours, hang around a little bit at the end of the trip with the clients, you know, load the boat, drive home, clean the boat, get the gear ready. You might be guiding, in my case, we might be guiding for pike on a Thursday and then a musky fishing on a Friday. So I get home, you know, I guide till nine o'clock. It might be 10, 10 30 when I get home. I'm ripping the gear. I'm out of the boat, putting the musky gear in, getting everything ready and doing it all over again the next day. And again, I'm not complaining. I love it. But yeah, for those who are thinking of getting into it, I highly recommend having another job. Uh, maybe if you can get one with benefits and, and retirement, you know, that, that all adds to it. It's great. And just to make it, uh, you know, on, in the fishing world, I mean, it's tough. I mean, you got in Minnesota here, you know, we can't fish year round for big game, you know, and then, you know, when the ice is too thin, you can't get out and stuff like that. There's, there's a lot of downtime when you're not collecting a paycheck in the guiding business. And it's really nice to have something else helping you pay the bills too. So, you know, that's something else to think about. 
Well, you hit it right on the head, Greg, because that's the number one thing I say to, to these young guys when they first ask me about guiding. They'll, they'll just say, you know, I really, really want to guide, and I want to I guide muskies, you know. And I, I say to them, the number one thing I say, first thing that comes out of my mouth, is you better have a really good job that's very forgiving for a schedule. I honestly say that that's the most important part. And maybe down the road you could switch that, but in the beginning, your job is number one. I mean, you got to have that job to provide you a way of getting into the guiding scene. Building a clientele list takes a long time, three to five, six years, you know? And I don't know. I think the cha- there's been some changes in the industry as well as people have purchased bigger and bigger boats. I mean, when I first started guiding 20 some years ago, it was easy. I I had a 20 foot boat and everybody else had 15 to 17 foot boats and (laughs) they didn't feel comfortable on certain bodies of water and things like that. Well, in today's world, everybody's got a 20 foot boat. You know, that's what they want. That's what they go get. Right. So I I think just in that aspect alone, it's really changed as well. Exactly. Yep. Can't disagree with that at all. I think uh, I think your gig that you're you're working off of down there is quite interesting, and I find it uh, really cool on how you've maintained and, and created this little window of your your own little world down there as far as guiding, and you've done an awesome job. I, I think it's really cool. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> you said it doesn't come with a lack of effort and probably a lot of luck too, and I don't know. It's just, yeah, like I said, I'm a, I'm a blessed man. I love what I do, and the good Lord's taken care of me. No doubt about it. Well, it's hard not to be jealous of a man like Jeff Whitman, though. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> the one thing I keep thinking in my head is when he called, when he said he had people that would call himself a workaholic. I have a friend of mine who is also an electrician, and he calls me that all the time. He's like, "Yeah, you're a workaholic," and I, I think to some degree. In order, I mean, you know, there's probably a better work-life balance than, say, the one that I have. But to some degree, I think you have to have that kind of personality in order to really go out and, you know, try to achieve to be the best that you can be in whatever particular industry you want to be in. This being, you know, fishing. But, you know, I I guess, like I said, there has to be sort of a personality trait. Yeah, I'd say that's for sure. It's uh, like you said, especially in the early, early years. You know, when you don't have a client, and in my case, anyway, I was out there looking for, for fresh water, you know, I was looking for new spots and new techniques and new baits that were working. I mean, that would be one thing my wife says, how come whenever I do get in the boat, I never get to go to the good spots? And I'm like, well, because I have to save those for the clients, you know, and it's like fish equals paychecks and she gets in the boat and we're out there working our tails off to find new stuff and, you know, plan B's, plan C's, like I was saying earlier. You got to have that all in the back of your head. If the weather's doing this, what are you going to do? The fish are reacting this way. What are you going to do? That doesn't come easy. That comes with hard work to, to learn these things. And even at that, some days we don't have a great day every day, you know. But the more you have in your toolbox, the better odds of the success you have. So that comes with hard work. I think that's maybe the hardest part of guiding. You know, especially in the musky game, I mean, you're not going to score every stinking day, right? So if you're fishing 30 days in a row, there's no possible way. You might have 40-some fish in that 30 days, but you didn't score every stinking day. And 
that one's the one part that I struggle with the most. I really, really feel bad when I don't accomplish it for every person in the jumps in my boat. And how, how do you deal with that, Greg? Well, I, uh, I've grown with years of doing it, but when I uh, first started too, I was actually like, you know, I, you know, just pay for my gas. We'll call it good. You know, driving my wife crazy. Cause I'm not at home. I'm out working and I'm not bringing in the paycheck on those slow days. And most often the clients are like, no, you work your butt off here. You know, we're paying you anyway. And it, you know, even if it didn't happen today, you know, I, I've come to realize, I don't think <laughs> I vow never to have a client leave the boat saying he didn't try, you know, I mean, the few bad days that we do have, that's what people say. Well, you worked your tail off, man. There's nothing else you could have done. We, we ran all over the lake. We did this, we did that. You know, you were patient, you were aggressive, whatever it may be. You know, yeah, I take it very personal. I, I want everybody to catch their dream fish and you're right. It's just not going to happen every day. And as you get more experience and a little more mature, maybe you realize that you can control what you can control but you can't force them to bite. I mean, I know how you are, Brad, and I'm sure every day you're on the water, you're doing your best and you're, you're going where the fish are and you're throwing baits that you know they typically eat. But even with all that, there's days that it doesn't happen and there's nothing you can do. And, and it took me a long time to realize that because I am kind of a perfectionist and I am addicted to having people leave happy and, and be successful. And I want my career and my, my calls to keep coming in and I want everything to grow. And yeah, you just, some days I just like feel like such a failure, but now it's more, you know, I did what I could do. You know, it's like, I, there's nothing else I could have done that I, you know, he said, I, I evaluate all night long after I'm off the bottom. I'm like, what could we have done? Is there something different we should have done? And, and sometimes you think, yeah, maybe conditions were this. We could have gone and should have tried this or something, but day in and day out. So, you know, you're on the fish and you know, you're doing what it should take to be successful. And when it's not successful, you have to understand that, you know, you did what you could do and, and you have to be okay with that. Yeah. Well said, Greg, I, I agree 100%. And I can tell you, I remember one occasion where I really got down on myself. I, I was, I beat myself up even worse. Once I got home, realizing how negative I was throughout that whole guide trip, just because we were struggling that bad. And I've never mm -hmm. went there again. It can be very, very challenging. That's for sure. And honestly, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of times I think some of the better guide trips are when you don't catch, because I think people learn more at that, uh, at that point. And it's something that you got to consider as well. You know, that's a great point. That's another thing too. It's like on the slow days, be educational, have them walk away from the boat knowing more about musky fishing or whatever. In my case, it could be pike or northern or bass or walleye or whatever. Yeah, entertain them, educate them, and do your darndest to be successful. And, uh, you know, yeah, I've had guys on unsuccessful days tell me, oh, I learned so much today, thank you, you know, and tell some stupid dad jokes once in a while, that doesn't hurt either. <laughs> Entertainment is a big key of guiding, that's for sure. And you, you said it earlier that you were a little bit bashful, shy, or whatever in the beginning. And I myself was as well. And I think people look at me and go, yeah, right. Um, you know, <laughs> where I am today, it's a lot different. But in my early years with this whole thing, I definitely was very shy. 
a little bit awkward maybe because of that shyness. And of course I've had to train myself to, to change and, and go down a different path. And it really has come easy. I think that's a good thing too. If you start shy, there's nothing wrong with that because I think that you, uh, you probably aren't conceited at that point, right? <laughs> you know, you're, you're not yeah. cocky about it. The last thing I want to do is come off as being cocky. Um, I just love the sport and I love sharing it with people. And I think that's uh, truly why I love guiding. Well, I'll say, Brad, I've known you a long time. Cocky is not a word I would ever use to describe you. I think you're one of the nicest, humblest people, you know, and you've been super successful. I mean, in my opinion, <laughs> you kind of are musky fishing. I mean, you've put more fish in the boat for so many people that, you know, probably more than it, you know, maybe any other guide around, I don't know, but, but I can always say you've been super respectful with me every time I bump into you in a show or we talk in the scene or whatever, you know, even when I was coming up to your neck of the woods and you weren't available to guide for me, you were like giving me some hints on what I should be doing if I want to fish on my own. And, uh, you are not cocky and, and, um, I just appreciate any of your friendship and, and, uh, I have a lot of respect for how you, how you uh, act out there in the musky world. I appreciate the kind words, Greg. I really do. I want everybody to be successful, and I think it's important. If I could point you in the right direction, that'd be all I could care about, you know? So, And I, I think that's a part of being that guide, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. It, it's yeah. a huge yeah. piece to who I am, I guess. I, I love it. I love every aspect of it, and I know you yeah. do as well. I do, yeah. That's kind of funny. We're uh, out of town right now, and I, I hired a guy just recently here, and a uh, young guy just getting into it. It was just kind of funny. Like, the dad in me was just like, oh, man, I could teach this kid so much. He's, he's got a bright future, but there's a lot of little things that I've learned in the way, and I mean, I was probably half as good as he is when I started, but as you mature and, and put the hours in the boat like we have, you know, it's like, you know, uh, you know, just this or that or this little thing or that little thing. It's just kind of, it's just kind of funny to be where you're at and watch these young guys. But I'm probably going to be fantastic. So, a couple little things, you know, it's just like oh, I'm a little more inquisitive of what the clients wanted, or you know what I mean, just stuff like like I don't know what you grab up for me when I was playing the book. A lot of times I'm like, I'll put it back on the clients just to, to get them involved too. I'll be like, all right, guys, we got one spot. I know there's. You know, we've been seeing six or eight fish there, but I got another spot. The conditions are perfect. What would you like to do today? Would you get, you know, would you guys, do you have a preference? Do you want to go hit this spot or, or do you want to go try this new spot for a little bit where the conditions are perfect for it? And like, I'll put it back on them a little bit to get them involved. And, um, I'm not going to give them a bad option for sure. But, um, just, just, I mean, I got a lot of clients that seem to really like it. Sometimes they'll say, well, you're the guy, do what you think's best, you know, and that's great. I'll do it. But, People seem to, it's just the respect thing and respect the people in your boat and, uh, and, uh, you, you get back what you, what you give out a lot of times too. I would agree with that. I, one of the first questions out of my mouth as a client's climb in the boat, you know, they, they sit down and we just start putting away from the dock. My first question that I always ask is, why did you hire me? And the reason I ask mm -hmm. that. It's kind of a loaded question for a lot of people. They look at you like, why are you asking me that? You know, <laughs> but, but then you, you kind of reiterate what it is. Why did you hire me? Are you looking for fish? Are you looking for spots? Are you looking for a big fish? Because we're going to fish different depending on what you're really wanting out of the trip. 
you know, some people might be le- wanting to learn how to cast a baitcaster, right? I mean, you've got all levels that jump in your boat. So if I don't know the expectation, I can't meet it. And so that's the very first question out of my mouth on every guide trip that I ever do. Great. That's a great point. Yep. Everybody's got a different agenda when they get in the boat. And, and uh, yeah, you need to know what that is. That's absolutely right. So, Greg, one, we we're talking just a little bit about, you know, struggling and how, you know, even on the tough days, you, you try to learn something. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, because this podcast is, well, I found, I always thought this was a podcast that, like, quite a few experienced anglers would listen to. Turns out that actually quite a few inexperienced anglers, um, you know, come here to try to learn more about fishing. And so on a day on the water, your typical angler, like, if they're struggling, what do you think the biggest mistake that they make would be? You know, people get set in their ways, I think. You know, I saw a fish on this weed line. I'm going to fish it for five hours today because I know there's a fish here. You know, well, that fish may have moved, you know, and I, I think their unwillingness to change or try different things sometimes. And, and uh, maybe not the podcast to say this on, but, you know, we know musky equipment's expensive. <laughs> and it's hard to go out and buy 25 different lures you know, for a guy that's just getting started and stuff. So experimenting can be expensive can be, you know, difficult at times. And if you don't have confidence, it's really hard to be successful if you don't have confidence. And, you know, going back to the areas you've caught a fish, that's all well and good. But if it's not working and you're not successful, it's time to try different things. You know, maybe it could be something as small as, different retrieve speeds or, you know, let that bait sink on a deep weed line a little bit and get it down into the strike zone, down where the fish are at, just experimenting. And like I said, I always try to adapt and just, you know, I don't know everything. I don't know a lot of stuff to go out there and, and just try different things. And, and again, just let the fish tell you what they want. You know, you've been throwing weeds all day and it's not working. We go hit some rocks or go throw on some sand, you know, try different things and watch what's happening and learn from it. And, and, uh, you know, you might be eliminating water. You might be learning new water, you know, going to dark water, going to the bright water and the, the, the clearer water, just try different things. I think people just get set in a mindset that I have to do this, or I read this, or I heard this and, and, uh, that's what I need to do. Well, that's a great starting point, but let the fish tell you what, what you need to do. And, and, you know, you're going to fail a lot more than you're going to be successful at first, but everything's a learning experience and, and just try to have an open mind and try new things. I think that's well said. So I'm guessing, you know, when, you know, part of the trying new things before you make a, I guess I should ask this question this way. If you're going to make one change, are you going to be changing baits? or Are you going to be changing structure or is it kind of hard to tell because given times of seasons, weather, I mean, all that stuff obviously factors in, but more often than not, let's just say generally, what would you change first? If I've been on a lake and I found an area where, I, where there were fish, I personally would probably fish aggressive first. So I might hit, let's just call it a weed flat. We know there's a few fish there. We've seen them. I'm going to fish it fast. I'm going to try to get that, that trigger strike. You know, I'm going to look for the aggressive feeding fish. And then personally, I would probably go back and fish it slower, like throw big plastics or throw a crank and just twitch it and, um, you know, mix it up a little bit that way. Especially if I know there's fish in, a, in an area, I'm going to fish them a couple different ways probably. 
and then I'm going to adapt. I'm, and I'm okay. Well, you know, the bucktails weren't working today, but man, we moved the fish right away in the 10th cast and throwing a big plastic or, or, you know, a glide bait or whatever it may be. And so then, you know, maybe I'll adapt to another area after that. And I might start with the glide bait, you know, that doesn't work. I might throw the fast, you know what I mean? I'm going to, I'm probably going to fish an area a couple of different ways first. So I probably switch lures first before I switch location. And then, if you know, work it hard. And then if that's not working, then I, I try, like, maybe, again, like you said, the weather plays a big factor. Maybe I'm not moving them on this spot today because it's a, it's a clear water spot and it's a shallower spot and it's bright out and the fish aren't doing anything. Okay, now after I work it pretty thoroughly, I'm going to go maybe try to find a dark water spot or I'm going to try to find a rock spot instead of a weed, weed spot. But yeah, I guess in the scenario you laid, you laid out, I would try a couple different baits first and then at those locations. We all have a tendency of getting stuck in it, in our rut, right? And, you know, with the podcast, we try to get people to just try to change their thinking a little bit, myself included. I mean, I always jot some notes down on almost every single podcast we do, things I should try on the water. I don't always get around to it, but, you know, it's always <laughs> a good reference point anyways. Right. All right, so Greg, in many locations within the Muskie Range, the season hasn't yet started. There's obviously a bunch of fishing going on in the south. So for the you know the Wisconsin and Minnesota guys that aren't out fishing yet, can you offer up any tips for preseason prep? Yeah, I guess what I do is I, I always go through all my gear thoroughly, like you know, most people do. Um, make sure that line doesn't need to be changed, or, or if it does, make sure you get it ordered and get that stuff taken care of. The, the expos are just passed now, but before the expos, I always go through all my boxes and stuff. And this one got chewed up a lot. I need to replace it. So, uh, you know, here's a hole in my arsenal. Let's fill that. Um, you know, a lot of basic stuff, but, you know, make sure I send my reels in quite often. I get them, you know, lubed up and ready to go. Just when you're dealing with big fish, little things make a big difference. And, you know, if you've got leaders that have nicks in them, if you, you know, weak line from going through the islets on the last time or anything like that. Anything that can go wrong probably might or will. And anything you can do preseason to make everything solid. You know, check your leaders, check your snap, you know, cut off ten feet of line if the line looks good. Cut off ten feet of line and retie, make sure the knots are all solid. Just you know, all that preseason prep work that just can eliminate one one little flaw that's gonna cost you that fish, you know. Um, hey, listen to podcasts, watch YouTube, anything you can learn in the off season, you know, read books, read magazines, you know, all that stuff. Any little thing you can pick up can make a big difference down the road and, and anything you neglect may cost you that dream fish. Yeah, it's truly amazing, Greg. I mean, if you think about where we are in today's world, we have so many options at our fingertips, right? And you know, it might be going to that local musky show and listening to some seminars. It might be watching a TV show, a YouTube cha uh, channel, like you said. I'm just reiterating your words. I mean, honestly, what we have at our fingertips today versus what we had, say, 10 years ago, 15 for sure, um, you can gain so much knowledge so quickly. It, it's truly amazing where we're standing in today's world of fishing. And it doesn't have to be just about the fishing. It might be about electronics. Um, I find myself looking at different electronics options continually on YouTube. I mean, it, it's incredible the uh, the different things that can you can find and relate to and try to get a better understanding of. There's a lot of intelligent, very talented people out there in the musky world, and 
all of us can learn a lot from them. You know, exactly. I don't know where it all ends. I mean, honestly, I'd say we're all pretty blessed at this point. The information highway is there. Utilize it. And I think uh, you're going to find yourself being more creative on the water and not only being more creative, but more successful. Yep. I couldn't say it any better. That's perfect. Well, Greg, before we wrap up this podcast, let's talk a little bit about availability for your schedule. Do you have availability for this upcoming season? And if so, how do people get in touch with you if they want to book a day with you? Yeah, the, the bookings have been coming in really good. Uh, in my boat, I've probably got about 15 or 20 slots left for the year uh, for the muskies. Probably 15, I would say. Um, Bass Northern, all that stuff, too. It's, it's feeling quickly, but there are there's spots here and there yet. Um, and then I'm very blessed to have like four guys working for me that are phenomenal. I've got some bass guys that are incredible. I got some great musky guides that work for me. So if you can't get into my boat, I can certainly put you in their boat and they're going to do a great job. And like Brad said, those are the guys that I network with. Um, you know, they work for me and uh, we all work together. We definitely can take care of you. We've got, we've got the, the manpower to do it. Yeah, and I've got, you know, my website is shadersguidingservice.com. And then I've got Instagram, too, which is also shadersguidingservice. We keep it real simple. Um, but you can reach out to me in any of that. Of course, you can always call me at 952-442-3474. Uh, we'd love to talk fishing. We'd love to get you on the locker. Right, we'll take good care of you. Well, Greg, we want to thank you for taking time out of your day to talk fishing with us. I know that... Uh... I mean, I think you're on, on vacation. You're definitely south and you're not in Minnesota. So it's mm-hmm. uh, even, we even thank you more for that. You know, not everybody will do that for us. You know, we just want to thank you again. I hope you have a great season. Once again, we want to thank all of our listeners for putting up with Brad and I for another week. And we'll catch everybody again with a new episode next week. <laughs>